Welcome to another edition of the Taz Racing Week in Review podcast. I'm Matt Reid, taking a wagering-focused look at Devonport on Sunday, 5th of September. It was Father's Day. We're about halfway through a sustained stretch of racing on the carpet. We'll be back on the grass in a month's time. It was a strange day's racing, a mixed bag of results, and some slowly run races and slow overall times recorded on the day. The only trainer or jockey to have multiple wins was Cody Jordan, who rode a double. We started the day with a disappointing three-horse field in terms of numbers, but it had intrigue as we saw the return of Group 3 winning Mayor DeRoche. She was an alarming drifter pre-race, $1.20 out to $1.40, basically doubling in price even if she did still start short. That pre-race market guide was a sign that she may not be the living, breathing certainty she looked on paper. And I'd say her victory was tradesman-like. Uh, Cody Jordan absolutely pinged the start, went to a clear lead, bowled them along to the point that our little Ted, who's a horse that we've seen, can reel off some sensational sectionals if they crawl in front, was chasing a long way from home, which took away considerably from his finish and had a big part to play in the final outcome. As a guide, our little Ted broke 11 seconds for his final 200 metres over this distance last start in Devonport, and he's barely broken 13 seconds here, so about 12 lengths slower in the run to the line, and basically says to me, this race was generally run even though it was a small field. Only Barry Campbell probably knows how much DeRoche needed this run, but I will say that she's shown she's susceptible first up in the past. DeRoche has won 11 of her 18 career starts, but three of her seven defeats have come off a break, which obviously doesn't include this run here where she's fallen in. DeRoche's last two first-up runs was unplaced in the three-year-old cup when sent out a $1.90 chance and a third in the good win in Hobart in November last year when a $1.40 out to a $1.90. I think how well she trials can entice some people into thinking that she's a first-up moral, but my gut feel is she'll take enormous benefit from this hit out and we'll see a much different horse next time we see her and it sounds like that might be at Sandown on AFL Grand Final Day. I think they might have a benchmark 90 picked out for her. Our little Ted was the one back to beat the favourite, 550 into 350. You wouldn't mind owning a share in him given he's basically been gifted prize money in the races he'd been put in this prep back to back three horse fields if you don't mind. Often referred to as the Hong Kong of the South due to our closed pool of horses down here in Tassie, the Fortress was penetrated in the second race. Two horses we've never seen in Tassie before finished as the Quinella. $4.60 chance made to be broken for Brendan McCool and Nigel Shuring was an impressive winner, storming over the top from midfield from a pretty comfortable victory. Uh, this four-year-old gilding was a $5,000 2019 Magic Millions purchased by Paddy Payne and had a couple of okay runs in Victoria before heading back to Tassie, and that was a good decision. The horse picked up a Tazbred bonus here as well. The overall time was the slowest of the three 1150-metre races, but it was only a second slower than the win of DeRoche and about three lengths behind Lucky Bucky. So relatively speaking, it was a good performance, and... I think it might not be the last win we see for Made to be Broken, who was always rock solid in the betting. Another newcomer to Tassie is Poet Warrior, one of two runners that trainer Graham McCulloch had in this race and wasn't the one the market expected to finish first of his stable runners. 550 out to $9 was Poet Warrior. Actually raced alongside the winner in the run, but had to come wider in the run to the judge. But this suggested to me that there's at least a maiden for him somewhere. 
The stable mate of Poet Warrior was Wayne's Quest. That was the one I referred to. Impossible to miss uh, his trial. And he was 380 into 330 on the Taz Racing official price, but over $5 early when the corporate bookmakers went up. Look, on debut, still learning the caper is Wayne's Quest, but I thought the tactics here were strange from Cody Jordan. Driven through to lead from a wide gate, she looked to have the option to cross to the rail, but didn't take it. And from that point on, the horse never seemed to travel that sweetly and was beaten shortly after straightening. Look, it'd be too early to say that Wayne's Quest is a horse that trials like Tarzan and runs like Jane. Only one start in, we're certainly not penning him off this. But uh, look, the market came for Wayne's Quest and was a little bit disappointing on face value, but uh, I'm sure he'll improve with race experience. Bell Mister and the Beekeeper are very well exposed. They rounded out the placings. One at a huge price here that should have finished closer is Lucia Della Luna, a $101 chance in this field, trained by Yassi Nishitani. Was a victim of gate one, couldn't get clear air behind tiring horses. I suspect it'll be a big price again. So we're not black booking this horse, but we're just keeping that in mind that Lucia Della Luna, you won't miss it if you see the replay, but certainly based on its finishing positions and SP profile, I can easily see the market missing it next start. Tazracing.com.au's new Form Plus Pro gives you even more data on all Tasmanian thoroughbred racing. Subscribe to the ultimate Tasmanian form source today. Form Plus Pro by Tazracing.com.au. Race three was another Tazbred bonus maiden. A strange race, this one, in terms of how it unfolded. It was a little bit for punters to unpack in this race, just in terms of who was riding what horse. So the the scenario that we had looking at the form was Troy Baker, who's the partner of Siggy Carr, not riding either of the horses that Siggy trains in the race, despite having ridden both Southern Wind and Who's the Rider previously. Troy ended up riding the eventual winner, Tough Cookie, who's trained by Scott Brunton, and, and Scott's regular number one stable rider, David Perez, was instead riding Southern Wind, who is one of the horses that Siggy trains. Uh, David never ridden Southern Wind previously in a race, but he had ridden Tough Cookie on two previous occasions. So trying to work out that little jigsaw puzzle was something in itself. Anyway, Tough Cookie goes to the front with Troy aboard, flanked by the two Siggy car runners, one in front and one behind. They absolutely crawl in front here at a very slow pace. The first three in running are the first three across the line. Uh, The winner, Tough Cookie, was pretty solid around $9. The money came for the eventual runner-up and the market mover, Southern Wind, who was about $10 early but jumped $5.50. The winner rolled off the fence to allow a saloon passage for Southern Wind, but wasn't quite able to pick that up even with all the favours and what was a very close finish. The mystery here is the ride on Tassie Miss, who was the race favourite, looked the one on paper, $1.50 out to $1.90, a massive pre-race drift. It, as I say, it did look to be her race. She's an on-pace runner who showed no intent to be ridden forward here, and that was clear when she was crossed by Who's the Rider before they exited the home straight for the first time, and eventually Tassie Miss raced three wide without cover. The tactics on Tassie Miss become even more of a query when you consider that the overall time for this race was about 17 lengths slower than what Tassie Miss ran at the track and distance last start when beaten by a length. So it's not like they went so fast in front that the option to roll forward there wasn't for Tassie Miss, but 
look, it was a strange ride. And the lack of initiative from the beaten brigade in this race is baffling, really, given these are very limited horses, and I doubt the opportunities to win a race will be frequent. Tough Cookie was had all the favours in front and uh, took the opportunity to get a victory. I think this was a pretty weak maiden, though, and look, the number of messages I received straight after the race wondering what we'd just witnessed certainly suggests it isn't one that many punters will want to remember either, of course, unless you backed Tough Cookie. Fourth race was a benchmark 60 over the mile, a small field, and several of the key chances faced each other last start. Two of those were the well-backed pair, Nita Rain, who was 3.40 into 2.90, and Submit Another, who was the $2.35 favourite. It was Siggy Carr aboard Nita Rain who got the chocolates here, landed in the gun spot, one out and one back, and was too good in the run to the line, although Siggy did get a holiday here for her whip use on Nita Rain. So, punters, I'd be looking to find Siggy Carr on the socials and get her details to send her some flowers and chocolates for the ride here. Submit Another came from well back in the field. I mentioned in my preview that it's approaching two years since Submit Another's last win. He's belting the door down to win a race, but how short do you want to go for a horse that wins that infrequently is the challenge in terms of the market. Zagray was the trifecta runner uh, backing up from a surprise win a week ago over the 1880, but showed here that that run was no fluke. He was six fifty out to ten dollars, but in my view, lost the race when Member Lucinara allowed San Yu to cross him exiting the home straight. Had he been aggressive and held the front as he did a week ago, it, it would have held him in good stead. Ultimately, he had a difficult time getting past San Yu, and that horse weakened, and the final margin was less than a length. So it might have had uh, something to stay in the finish. Um, the trifecta were well clear here in, in a pretty thin race. Speaking of facing each other again, the first quaddy leg saw all horses except the favourite possession, a rematch from their previous start. I said after that race on this podcast that keep an eye out for t- potential map opportunities with Red Fiora as he's tough to catch when left alone in front. Well, they don't come any more obvious when you meet the exact same field for the second time in a row. And we got a gift here in terms of the map. They left Peter Lou in front and he's ended up smashing them, Red Fior, scoring a three-and-a-half length victory at $11. Same field, same tactics as last time. Red Fior led with Dixie's boy, who was $4.50 here in behind. But this time the chasers couldn't make much of a dent. The overall time here was about 15 lengths slower than when Dargo won last start and knocked off Red Fiora on the line, but the final 600 metres was only two lengths slower. This was a day on Sunday where the time seemed that we had a bit of a slower track for whatever reason, but Peter Liu obviously got away with a much slower lead time here, and that meant when he upped the ante, uh, he was off and gone. Uh, as mentioned, the Chasers couldn't make much of a dent this time. Dargo was 3.20 out to 4.20 and was the best closer in the race, but that was only good enough to finish third this time. The fly in the ointment here was the disappointing performance of $2.20 favourite Possession, who was given a good run by Brendan McCool, but eventually would fail to beat a runner home. He was a late scratching on race day from the previous race won by Dargo, and, and clearly whatever setback that was, he didn't come up here. Uh, he was given a good run until asked for the effort and there was nothing there. So it's a pretty disappointing outcome for punters that took a, a short price. Ladbrokes new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get 
the down low on the download. Lad Brokats. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Race six was a little like race two. A newcomer to Tassie that we hadn't seen before. Party in style gave trainer Brenda McShane a rare Devonport winner and Cody Jordan a riding double. This horse is next Ellerton and Zara runner that didn't really give punters an idea about what we might see. A big drifter in the market, six out to nine dollars. It was an on pace dominated affair, not unusual for a thousand and nine metre race, but maybe exacerbated by the fact that there wasn't a lot of a thousand and nine metre form in the race, which includes from the winner. Uh, but Cody jumped and rolled forward on the rail and never went around a horse and had a clear margin on the line. Going into this race, I thought it was open, arguably the hardest race of the day. It didn't really look a strong class one to me. But, look, Brendan McShane's quite vocal about his dislike for heading to Devonport, so it's reasonable to expect party and style will improve on the grass. Solita came off the leader's back and at $51 gave those who had an F in the quarter a few reasons to cheer for a moment but had to settle for second. GG Real Deal sat fourth as the $4 equal favourite and ran third. So it wasn't a race where really anything came from the back. GG Rhythm was the equal $4 favourite and had the equal second best closing sectionals for the day over the final 200 along with Gold Current in this field. So a lot of these simply found the 1,009 a bit short. Uh, tough to pick anyone out to follow, but I expect most of these would be better suited over at least the 11.50 metres around Devonport. Top of the straight, Lucky Bucky, about two and a half in front. Ashin Canson, Trojan Storm running on down the outside. Miss Excess is very wide on the track, but Lucky Bucky has got a nice break. Lucky Bucky from Trojan Storm rattling home, but Lucky Bucky... Trojan Storm, Miss Success out wide. Lucky Bucky wins a photo second. Well, you'd back Trojan Storm to get that. Race seven, the good thing of the day came through here. That was Trojan Storm being well-backed, and he was 480 into 380, and that he would run second. And he, of course, did. Look, I joke, he's flying at the moment, and I do hope that Trojan Storm wins soon for connections, but gee whiz, he loves running second at the moment. Six in a row, all by very small margins. Big example here in this race that the market doesn't always know. Returning from a break, Lucky Bucky was four sixty out to $8 and a very impressive winner to continue his form turnaround since transferring to Tanya Hansen. It was a win for the Black Book here. Uh, Lucky Bucky's been there since last campaign. And, and look, he didn't want it any further here, Lucky Bucky, but it was a quality win. If we consider that, like DeRoche in the opening race, Lucky Bucky was first up here, but he carried 61 kilos, 7 kilos more than DeRoche did, and has run an overall time that was only about three lengths slower. So factoring the weights in, I think this was clearly the better performance of the two. Uh, I mentioned Wayne's Quest not crossing to the rail earlier. It was similar here with Daniel Gannadon, who didn't ping straight to the front, but when he did, unlike Wayne's Quest earlier, uh, Gando crossed to the rail, and that enabled him to give a good kick on straightening sort of the rail like a dog philosophy where if you ping off the corner, you can pinch a couple of lengths. And with the place getters all coming from worse than midfield, he grabbed a winning break on Lucky Bucky. Look, this was only a benchmark 60, but that's now three wins from his last four starts for the horse. I think he's a fair bit better than this grade, and he won't be anywhere near this $8 SP next start. I'm not sure why the drift came, but it was a good result for followers of the staking strategy if you're on at the tote.
Tanya Hansen's now picked up Miss Excess as well and, and clearly not gone backwards from her stable. She rattled home for third with the fastest last six, four and 200 of the race. Maybe she needed just a change of scenery to reinvigorate her career, Miss Success, and we know she'll be better at 13.50 based on what we've seen when she was with Leanne Gaffney. I and many other people have rightfully sung the praises of Erica Byrne-Burke since she arrived in Tassie. She's leading the Jockeys Premiership at present, and there's been nothing short of a revelation, but Sunday wasn't her day. She was an odds-on favourite for the Jockey Challenge was EBB, but she didn't have a winner and was three wide without cover here from barrier three on $3.90 chance, Aushin Canson, the second time in as many runs this preparation that has occurred for the horse. Look, it was one of those days for EBB, perhaps epitomised by how things played out in the last race, but she certainly wasn't the punter's pal on Sunday as she's been so frequently early in her career. The trifecta put a big margin on the field here. Perhaps a bit disappointing was the run of Holy Diamond. A, a big early mover from opening prices drifted to start around $7 from the time of scratchings on race morning. Enjoyed a good run with cover forward of midfield, but... Couldn't make a big impression in the run to the judge. So a good winner first up, a bit plain here, Holy Diamond. On a pretty mediocre day in terms of race quality, I think this is one where we can take a bit from this race. The winner, Lucky Bucky, goes well, I think, and stays in the black book. And I'm going to add our Shinkansen, who's the other runner who I quite liked in the race, a wide runner with excuses. And I'm also taking note of the run of Miss Success first up for the new camp. We closed the day with Cheeky One going for six straight wins, but unfortunately she was out of commission pretty early when she bombed the start. The winner was another one I flagged as one to follow without black booking, and that was Bar Gilles, double figures early, backed into 5.50 come race time and given the absolute run of the race by Ismail Toka, who landed in the 1-1 in a race with enough pressure in front for those to come from off the speed, swept to the lead early in the straight and put the race away. Look, Bargeo has been a great pickup for Rowan Hamer. has a bit of versatility to go up and down in the distances, and I suspect he can pick up at least another one this prep. I made a bit of a mental note here that uh, Dave Perez only had three rides for the day in Devonport. He doesn't love heading up to Devonport, Dave. Certainly uh, much prefers racing at home in Hobart, but he stuck around for the last race with Hot Relation. He was backed into 320 favourite, but... Unfortunately for Dave and Connections and those on, just found one too good on the day. Uh, another big mover in this race, particularly late, was Rough Road, 16 into $8, and has actually run home with the fastest last 400 and 200 of the program. Siggy Carr got into an awkward spot last on the rail, but the horse sprinted very well when clear. The last of Rough Road's four wins was in March 2020, so it's been a while between drinks, but... This run and the pre-race market push suggested that another win might not be far away. Quad led this field and dropped out. The stewards report indicating that she'll now be retired. And I'd be surprised after this run whether we see Cheeky one again this preparation. But wowee, what a campaign it's been for her. Five wins on the bounce. So like I said early on in the podcast, a bit of a strange day of racing. A few faves won, a few disappointed massively and some slow overall times. As a result, it's a quiet day for the Black Book. Uh, looking at race seven, I'm sticking with Lucky Bucky. I think arguably he was the performance of the day, but I might be a bit biased since I managed to find him. And from the same race in the Beaten Brigade, I'm adding in our Shin Canson, who just needs a bit more luck to finish off her races. 
not making them black bookers, but as mentioned, the runs of Rough Road and Lusa Della Luna warrant a bit of interest for next start, particularly the latter who will be any old odds. It's a big week for Tassie Thoroughbred Racing down here. I'll be hosting the Thoroughbred Industry Awards and Hall of Fame dinner from Launceston on Friday night. The Horse of the Year, two-year-old and three-year-old awards will be given out along with a host of other awards. Uh, lots of intrigue there. I'll go out on a limb and, and say Turk Warrior wins the two-year-old of the year, but the others are pretty open. And if you're not there, I believe the plan is to live stream that on Taz Racing TV. This Saturday, we have both Mystic Journey and Still a Star resume in the Let's Lope at Flemington. I saw Andy Post Markets in the All In had them from anywhere between $10 to $15, which, to be fair, I thought looked a bit big given their proven class. Uh, and also, last week, we had a bit of interest on the mainland. A shot of Irish acquitted himself well, I thought, in the fan. Typical Scotty Brunton having a throw at the stumps for the big prize when the handicap on that card there at Mooney Valley looked a slam dunk but uh, certainly acquitted himself well shot of Irish not beaten far and so local racing this week is in Devonport pretty solid numbers across that program in terms of the uh, nominations should make for hopefully deeper fields than last Sunday I'll be back next week to review that program on another edition of the Week in Review